to the Manifesting God podcast with your host, Marie Elizabeth. This podcast will uplift and thrust you into the manifestation of the promises of God in your life. Good evening. Good evening. Thank you so much for joining. Again, you are listening to the Manifesting God podcast. I am your host, Prophetess Marie Elizabeth. So good to see you all on this Monday evening. To everyone listening to me through Podbean, everyone listening to iHeartRadio, all the, all the outlets that we have available to us I'm on it. And I thank you so much for taking the time out to hear what God is saying to his people because he is talking to his people. He's talking to his chosen ones. He's talking to his remnant. But are we listening? Because if we're listening, we understand he is getting us ready for what he is doing in this new season of our lives. Oh, you didn't know? Oh, yes. You're in a new season. Things have changed. They're not changing. They have already changed. And God wants you to be a part of what he is doing, not only in you, but in you, in the earth realm. He wants you to be a part. It's a part of your eternal promise to be and to stand in who you are in God. Come on, get over to Acts 13. Get to Acts 13, and I'm in the Amplified Bible. And if you don't have your Bible handy, come on, listen and take in this word that God has for you. Verse 16 says, so God, so Paul, he stood up and motioning with his hands, he said, men of Israel and you who fear God, listen. Listen, come on, men of Israel, you, all of you, I'm talking to those of you who fear God. Listen, 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 because he's about to cue you in to your history. He's about to cue you in into where you came from and what you have in God. Verse 17 says, the God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and made the people great and numerous during their stay as foreigners in the land of Egypt. Do you believe that God can prosper you in that foreign place? Well, let me answer that for you. Oh, yes, he can. And he has. And it continues to say, and then with an uplifted arm, he led them out of there. Verse 13, 18 says, for a period of about 14 years, he put up with their behaviors in the wilderness. How many of you know that God will tolerate our ignorant behaviors in the wilderness? But see, after we come through the wilderness, we have an experience now that sustains us, an experience now that, that holds us in place, an experience now that lets us know that we're standing on a sure foundation. Verse 19 says, when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave their land to our ancestors as an inheritance. This took about 
450 years. Verse 20, after this, he gave them judges until the prophet Samuel. Verse 21, then they asked for a king. They asked for a king. They asked for someone to rule them. Someone in the person that that was a manifested being to rule them. And God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years. Verse 22. And when he had removed him, when he removed him because he had to remove what was requested in the flesh. Come on. How many of you know that what is requested in the flesh must eventually be removed? It must be removed. And he raised up David to be their king. Of him, he testified. Of him, he testified and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. And the Amplified Version says, conforming to my will and purposes. So if you're curious and you want to know what it means to be a man or a woman after God's heart, it would be the one that is able to conform to God's will and God's purpose and not only conform, but the verse goes on to say, who will do all my will. That's key there. Who will do all my will? No substitutions, no alternative behaviors, no alternative choices, but only the choices of God. Only what God commands, only what God wills, only what God has purposed only what he has purpose. Now, Paul here was referring and referencing the Old Testament and he was giving them history, but now let's go to Deuteronomy 6 and let's just talk about it just a little bit more. Come on, stick with me because as you know, I am going somewhere. Deuteronomy 6, the sixth chapter in that first verse, it says, now this is the command, the statutes and the judgments. In parentheses, it says precepts in the Amplified Bible. These are the precepts which the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you. He commanded me to teach you these things so that you might do. You know these things, come on, so that you might do. You know what God requires so that you might do. So that you might, in parentheses, it says, follow and obey them in the land which you are crossing over the Jordan to possess. So you are to take what you have been taught and you are to follow and you are to obey them in the land that you will possess the predetermined land that you will possess. Verse two says, so that you and your son and your grandson, come on, we're talking generations here, so that they may fear and worship the Lord your God with all filled reverence and profound respect to keep and actively do. There's that phrase again, but now it's added to it a word to actively do. That means to continue. Continue to do. That means to do it 
on purpose. So we are not only just taught, we're not just supposed to carry it, but we're supposed to do what we've been taught. We're supposed to follow what we've been taught. We're supposed to obey what we've been taught. We're supposed to participate in, actively do what we've been taught. We're to keep all of his statutes, continuing in verse two, and his commandments, which I am commanding you all the days of your life, not just today, not just when you feel good, not just when you enter the sanctuary, the house of God, not just when you are around the saints of God, but all the days of your life. So that why? So that your days might be prolonged. See, if we're not going to do the will of God, we're not going to do what he's taught us. We're not going to do, we're not going to follow. We're not going to obey. We're not going to actively participate. We're not going to actively do. If we are not going to do that, then why should God prolong our days? We're but in the way. We are but in the way. Verse three, therefore, listen. Therefore, listen, O men and women of God. Listen, the verse says, O Israel, and be careful. Be careful to do them. That means do them on purpose. Make, make what God requires a part of your plans. Make it your business to do what the Lord commands. Do all his statues, the verse says, and his commandments, which I am commanding you all the days of your life so that your days may be prolonged. Then verse three, therefore listen and be careful to do them that it may go well with you. Okay, a second benefit. You're, if you do them, your days will be prolonged. If you are careful to do them, them, all will go well with you and, and you will increase. You will increase greatly in numbers as the Lord, the God of your fathers has promised you. It's a promise. If you actively, actively, actively do all his statutes and his commandments, your days will be prolonged. It's a promise that if you carefully do them, all will go well with you and you will increase. You will increase. God has already promised it. You're going to enter a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse four, here again, here, O Israel, here, O men and women of God, the Lord is, he's not just my God. If you're under the sound of my voice, he is our God. He is our God. And the Lord is one. He's singular. He is the only God. He's the only God. Verse five says, says, you shall love the Lord, your God. Come on with all, there it is again, all your heart and mind and with all your soul and with all your strength, your entire being your entire being. Come on, what is it to love the Lord God with all my mind, 
What is it to love the Lord God with all my soul, with all my strength, with my entire being? What does that look like? What does that look like? Come on, Matthew 22. I'm, I'm pointing out to you what the scriptures are saying. I'm directing you down a road that's leading us to where? Stay with me because I'm going there and I'm taking you with me. Matthew 22, Amplified Version, verse 34. It says, now when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced, that he had muzzled the Sadducees, they gathered together. Verse 35, one of them, a lawyer, an expert in the Mosaic, Mosaic, Mosaic law, the Mosaic law, make sure I'm pronouncing it, asked Jesus a question to test him. Teacher, teacher, he said, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Verse 37, and Jesus replied to him, what? You shall love the Lord your God with what? Here it is again all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind all of it all of it all the time not just when you feel like it but all of it all the time proverbs 3 it tells us don't forget this is talking to a son, we're talking to the men and women of God. Don't forget the teaching, but keep it in your heart. But let your heart keep my commandments. Let your heart, meaning you must allow your heart. You must make a decision that your heart will keep God's commandments, not just for the moment, but for length of days and years of life worth living and tranquility and prosperity, the wholeness of life's blessings, they will add to you. Verse three, do not let mercy and kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Verse four, so find favor find high esteem and the sight of God and man. Verse five, here we go. Trust in and rely confidently on the Lord with all your heart. What are we talking about today? And what are we going to be talking about for the next few weeks? We're going to be talking about all your heart, all your heart. All of it, how much of what we believe, we know. How much of it is based on our own insight and our own understanding? How much of what we trust, how much of it is based on our own ability, our own insight and our own understanding? What part of our heart are we lending? Are we conveniently lending to our own insight, which would be the insight of the flesh? What part of our hearts, when those times get tough, are we lending? Are we, are we lending out to the flesh to make a decision, to make a determination? What part are we lending out? When we look at the heart, when we look at it in Greek and Hebrew, it refers to the inner man. 
It refers to the mind, the will, the soul, the understanding. It refers to the inner part. It's referring to the midst of things, the heart of a man, the soul of a man, mind, knowledge, thinking, reflection, and memory, inclination. It's referring to inclination when we think about the heart. Listen to this, the conscious. It's referring to the conscious and the conscious is defined as a guide to how a person perceives right or wrong. It, it refers to one's behavior. And then if you look at behavior, it refers into the way one conducts themselves. It's a mode, a standard personal behavior, especially based on moral principles. Morals, principles, it points out that the matters of the heart, I am pointing out that the matters of the heart, guess what? We control them. We control them. It is our decision. It is our decision. The heart is the seat. It encloses our appetites. What do you have a desire for? What do you have an appetite for? For it encloses your emotions, your passions. What have you attached, or what have you of your heart have you let out to your flesh, and your flesh attached emotions to it that are against the will of God, attach a passion to it that is against the will of God? Our heart also contains our courage. Our courage, what part of your heart did you lend to your flesh that made the decision that fear can dwell there, that fear can move in? What part of our heart are we not governing? And we're slowly lending out pieces of it to the flesh to make decisions for us, for us in God. We're leaving it to the flesh to make decisions for us in God because we lend our heart to our flesh and the flesh then becomes the decider of how we will behave, how we will conduct ourselves, how what we will have an appetite for, what will allow uh, to ourselves to be emotionally attached to, what we will have a passion for, what have we allowed? What have we allowed our flesh to make a decision on because we, we, we just lent out just a wee bit of our heart, of our heart, so that our decisions are now turned against our spirit man. And there's a battle going on on the inside because we refuse to silence the heart and we refuse, I mean, silence the flesh and we refuse to take control of our heart. And we refuse to make a conscious decision to do the will of God and to walk into the promises of God that our ancestors have afore walked into, that God has prepared just for us, just for us, just for us, just for us. Come on, it's just for you. It's not just for me, it's just for you. You just must take control, regain control of your heart.
of your heart. Go to first Samuel. We're going to give you an example. Go to first Samuel, Samuel. See that I want to, I want to look at David here because David is a man that, that says that he was a man after God's own heart. God himself said, David is a man after my own heart. Why did he feel that David was a man after his own heart? Because even though David was not the perfect man, David knew how to return to God when he had moved away from what God instructed him. And why did he, why did he feel comfortable returning to God even upon making mistakes as he did and, and, and perhaps moving, moving ahead of God at times because he trusted God? He trusted God. Come on, stay with me. We're going somewhere. We're going to talk about the example that David left for us when he talks about all of his heart. We're going to talk about how David grew into the trust relationship that he had with God. Because in order, in order to trust in order to serve God with your entire heart, you need to know it's going to take a level of trust. And there's a level of trust that we must all grow into so that we don't allow the flesh to tap into our heart and begin to make decisions for us that are against the will of God. It's a slow process, but it's a sure process. I'm talking to my babies. If you hear me right now, I'm answering your letters right now. We begin with trust. David in 1 Samuel 16, right? 1 to 13, and I'm going to skip around a little bit. In verse one, it talks about the fact, it says, the Lord said to Samuel, and we're talking about how David became David. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul? Because Samuel was longing for the leader of yesterday. He was, come on, some of you right there right now, longing for the leadership of yesterday. Since I have rejected him as king over Israel. Yes, they've been rejected already. And you're still longing for that leadership. You're still longing for that place. You mourn for what has been lost. He told Samuel, fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Come on, it's time to look for the chosen one. Come on, can you put that in the chat? It's time to look for the chosen one, the chosen one. Now I'm going over to, I think I'm going over to uh, 1 Samuel 17 and I'm in verse 12. I'm talking about David and Goliath. And I want to show you, I want to show you how Samuel grew into his trusting relationship with Christ. See, a man again, after God's own heart, as a child, he became one that trusted in the Lord God, in the Lord God. Verse 12 says, now David was the son of that Eratha, Gosh, I knew this earlier. Erathite of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse. And he had eight sons. And the man went among men for an old man in the days of Saul. Verse 13 says, and the three eldest sons of Jesse went and followed Saul. 
This is when Saul was doing right. They went and followed Saul to the battle. And the names of his three sons that went to battle were Eliab, the firstborn. And next to him was Abinadab and the third Shammah. And I want to show you here that David was the youngest. So we see his lessons beginning because David was the youngest and he knew he was the youngest. And he understood in verse 14 that he was the youngest and his three elder brothers, they followed Saul. So he knew his place. He knew his place, but let's keep going because David's growing. David's growing. We see in verse 15, but David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. David had a job. David had a job. Verse 17, and Jesse said to David, his son, take now for thy brethren an ephah of this parched corn and these 10 loaves and run to the camp to thy brethren. Verse 18, and carry these 10, uh, 10 cheese, 10 cheese unto the captain of the thousand. And look, I think I'm missing a word there. And look how thy brethren fare and take their pledge. So not only did David have a job, but thanks to his dad, he was establishing in him, Jesse was establishing in him responsibility. David had responsibility. And David, we see here in verse 20, knew how to follow instruction. And David rose up early in the morning. I'm talking about a young man who was following the instruction of his father, his earthly father. He learned how to have a job, be responsible, receive instruction, and be responsible from his father in the earth realm before he learned to hear and follow God's instruction. There's order. There's order. There is order to all of your heart. There's order to the decisions and controlling the desires of your heart heart. Establishing responsibility. Verse 20 says, and David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took and went as Jesse has commanded, not God, as Jesse. He followed the instruction of his father as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench. And as the host was going forth to fight and shouted for the battle and David, verse 22, I'm skipping. And David left his carriage in the hand of the housekeeper of the carriage and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. Verse 23. And as he talked with him, as he's having a conversation with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, 
out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words. And David heard them. Skip down to verse 26. And David spake to the men that stood by him saying, what shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Come on, David already had a defense. He already had a defense. We're going to find out why he had a defense in a few minutes. Verse 32, we're skipping down. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight that Philistine. David knows how to take advantage of an opportunity. David had followed the instruction of his father. He was trusted with a job. He was trusted with responsibility. He knew who he was in God and he knew who he served. He knew who the living God was as evident by his response. Who is this giant, this Philistine, this uncircumcised Philistine that would try to defy the armies of the living God. David saw an opportunity and he said, don't faint, Saul. Don't faint. Thou, and Saul said to David, he said, you're not able to go against this Philistine and fight him because you're but a youth. And he, a man of war from his youth from his youth. Now, a sidebar here, there is, I'm showing you here a process, but let's be clear to my, to my younger next generation. Let's be clear. I understand that God can use you in your youth. I understand that you comprehend the promises of God in your youth, but we must allow process to happen. We must allow process to happen. Why? Because in process, there is strength. In process, there are lessons. See, David, not only was David assigned a job, David was also assigned responsibility. And David understood out of his responsibility, opportunity. If we're not careful and we do not allow process to take place, then we get to the point where where David is saying this uncircumcised Philistine shouldn't defy, shouldn't be able to defy the armies of the living God, we might there switch it to our flesh and render a response that says that he should not dare defy me because I'm standing here and I know the skill that I have in me so he cannot defy me. And since I'm here, I think I'm going to step to the cause. But we're going to find out here that David not only understood the battle that he's won in the past, but he understood how he won them. He understood that through the process, through the process of practice, through the process of practice. Verse 34, and David said unto Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep. Come on, he's got a witness. He's got a process through his practice. And David said unto Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear 
and took a lamb out of the flock. Verse 35, and I went after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Now he's describing what? What he's been practicing through process. There was a lion that he said, I thought there was a bear. They came to take the lamb. I fought them back and I took, I got the, the lamb back from their mouth and I slew both the lion and the bear. He's talking about his process through practice. Process through practice. Verse 36, thy servant slew both the lion and bear and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. There it is again. Why does he keep saying of the living God? Because he has an understanding. Verse 37 says, David said, moreover, moreover, the Lord that delivered me. See, he wasn't taking the credit. He gave the example that this is what I did, but he understands that it was God who delivered him. He learned that through the process of practice. That's how he learned it. That's the step that so many would like to skip today. You get a little bit of job. You get a little bit of responsibility and we run off. And we never finish the process of practice. And then our heart is so easily taken over by our flesh that we no longer, we no longer give the glory of our victories to God. Instead, we say we did it. Our own hand has gotten us the victory. Verse 37 says, David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, okay, go, go, go. The Lord will be with, the Lord be with thee. That's all he could say at that point. That is all he could say. Verse 37, I'm skipping down. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw and out of the paw, out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he's going to deliver me. He's going to deliver me again. Saul was like, go ahead, go ahead, go, go do what you do. See there, this is a perfect example because David, he actually went through a process here that not many speak of because David was young when he was assigned this job from his father. David was a young boy when he was given such a responsibility to head to the front lines of war, to take food for his brother. He was even young, even just as young when Saul trusted him to fight, to fight this battle. He was even, but he had through the process of practice, he had developed a trust in God. He had developed a thorough understanding of who God was. And he had firsthand experience that God would deliver him. So to my younger generation, what is your testimony today? Do, can you tell me when God delivered you from the lion? 
Can you tell me when God delivered you from the bear? Or are you going to tell me when you fought the bear and when you fought the lion and when you delivered you by your own strength? See, there is a there is, again, a process to practice, and it's worth going through the process to practice because you can see God's hand at work in your life more clearly when you go through a process of practicing and practice again and practice again and practice again. Yes, and practice again because what? It establishes trust. Now, David trusts God, but guess what? God trusts David. See, it's one thing for us to trust God because of what God does for us. But see, God doesn't need us to the point where he has to feel like I got to take whatever you're dishing out. So he too needs to know that he can trust you. And how will he know that he can trust you any better than if you are delivered? If he uses your own hand, teaches you a skill and uses your own hand to kill the bear and to kill the lion. And then you turn around and say, thank God you did it through me. Thank God you did it for me. Not many of us have that testimony, which is why God won't trust us because we'll be the ones that get down the road of peace, as the old folk used to say, and we'll act like we don't know God. We'll get to that platform and we'll act like we don't know God. We'll act like we got there by the strength of our own words. We'll act like we got there by the strength of our own hands. We'll act like we built it ourselves. They wouldn't let me have a platform, so I built my own and God blessed it. You know, we, we will leave God out or leave God to last till last now david went and he was explaining his experiences to saul he explained his experiences what he had practiced and once he shared what he had practiced once he shared what he had practiced then he made it clear because of that practice that god delivered me during that time of practicing during that time of of, of running after the lamb and literally pulling the lamb out of the bear's mouth or pulling the lamb out of the lion's mouth and killing the lion and killing the bear during all that activity i saw the living god I saw the living God, so I trust him. So I trust him that if I can kill the bear and I can kill the lion, that I can kill something uncircumcised, surely I can do that. Surely God will do that. He will deliver me just like he delivered me before. I might have walked right into the lion's den to go get the lamb, but I knew God. But I knew God. See, we cannot forget that just, just because we trust God, he must also trust us. He must also trust us. And David here shows us a process where he grew into the trust of God. And it started simply with him obeying the voice of his father in the earth. How many of us can do that today? 
How many of us can say we do that today? Do we obey the voice of those that God has put in charge of us to lead us and to guide us into truth and right standing in God? Can we say that or can we say or are we more of no, we give our leaders such a hard time that they wish we wouldn't even come back? Is that where we're at? See, we can't what we cannot we cannot uh uh ignore treat harshly what God sets in front of us and then think that God is going to trust us with greater when we can't even respect what's in front of us when we can't even uh we can't even serve what's in front of us we can't even uh follow through with responsibility what God has set in front of us we can't even we don't even have a defense for what God has set in front of us we don't even uh take we don't even uh take advantage of opportunities in front of us to serve and at different levels and we want God to take us to the next level but we won't serve on the level that we're at we won't see a need and fill the need where we're at but we want God to take us to somewhere greater we won't use all the talent that God has put in front of us and in us today but we want God to give us more see it's a matter of trust we trust him, but we are not giving him a reason to trust us, to trust us. And by not, by not uh, aligning the trust, then we are not serving God with our whole heart, with all of our heart. It's about all of our heart. We're going to continue to talk about this uh, as the weeks come because God is taking us to a place where he wants us to serve him fully. He wants all of us. And for him to have all of us, we must be willing to give him all of our trust so that he can trust us like we trust him. This is not a one-sided relationship. God wants to be able to trust you, but you must be willing to go through the process of practice. The process of practice. Come on, put that in the chat. I am going to go through the process of practice. I must go through the process of practice. If you're going to give God all of your heart, all of it, there is a process of practice. There is no way, there is no way that we are going to be those that that are able to even follow. See, this is why a lot of times we are up and down with God. We are up and down with the responsibility that God hands us. We are up and down with the jobs that he's entrusted to us. We are up and down in how we fight our battles because we do not serve the Lord God with all of our heart or all of our mind, or all of our soul, or with all of our strength, or with our entire being. We do not, we lend, we lend, just like we lend our flesh pieces of our heart to make a decision, we conveniently lend God pieces of our heart pieces of our heart when 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 we are are comfortable that he may respond in our favor. 
when we are comfortable that he will respond in our favor. But if we're not sure that God will respond in our favor, we lend the part of our heart to the flesh and let the flesh make the decision that we are sure that we will be happy with. But God wants all of our heart. He wants all of our heart. If we want to have long life, if we want to live in the blessings of God, if we want to be trusted by God, we must allow the process of practice, which establishes the trust, not just our trust of him, but his trust of us. It is not, it is never going to be is never going to be, listen, you miss well, let it go now. It is never going to be all about you. You are going in the direction. You are suffering what you are suffering so that someone else will come to an awareness and a knowledge of Christ and that they will repent of their sins and that they in turn will come to Christ and give Christ all of their heart. And the cycle continues. Now they do it and the next person believes. And then they do it and the next person believes. This is the cycle. But we begin with, we begin with giving God all of our heart. All of it at all times. Not just when it's convenient. So I want you, you have some homework. You have some homework. I want you to pay attention. I want you to pay attention to your decisions. Pay attention to your emotions. Pay attention to the direction that you move in, the things that you decide to do. Pay attention and discern if it is you lending a part of your heart to your flesh to make the decision, or if you are giving all of your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ to make the decisions, to guide you, to lead you. Which one is it? Because it's one or the other. It is the flesh that is borrowing pieces of your heart and making decisions that you approve of, or it is you giving all of your heart to God at all times, and he is making decisions. And I can tell you now, it's not always going to be comfortable. So the first sign of knowing that you have given all of your heart to God for him to make the decision, for him to guide you, for him to lead you, and you decided to make a conscious effort to not let your flesh guide you and lead you, it's going to be uncomfortable. That's the first sign. If it's uncomfortable, if you really don't care for it, but you're going to do it anyway, then you know that's a decision. That's a choice that you've consciously made to let God lead you and give God all of your heart. Come on, ladies and gentlemen, let me pray for you. God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you today, God, that you're aligning us once again, you're aligning us with your will and your purpose so that we may receive your promises, so that we can walk worthy of the vocation wherein we are called. We thank you, oh God, that you have promised never to leave us or forsake us. You said that if we draw nigh unto you, that you would draw nigh unto us, and we draw nigh unto you, oh God. We draw nigh unto you, oh God, and we give you our whole heart 
all of our heart, all of our decisioning, all of our choices. We make a conscious effort, God, a conscious decision that we will not let the flesh rule, reign, or, or dictate the actions that our actions we will we will actively participate in the decisions that we make we will actively make sure that we are being led and guided not by our own choices but by this holy spirit who teaches us all things give us discernment oh god help us to pay attention to to what we're doing what we're saying what we're believing how we're moving who we let around around us who we let speak into us let cause us god to be aware and take charge take charge take charge put a guard god around our heart so that we can be committed to giving you all of us we want to give you all of us god and we ask you oh god to walk with us be with us lead us guide us into truth and right right standing because we want to live holy for you we want to walk worthy of the vocation wherein we are called we want to please you open the eyes of our understanding god and cause us to know the hope of our calling that is in you because we love you because we serve you, the only true and living God. We give you glory. We give you honor. And I thank you, oh God, that my voice carries across the airwaves, across the countries, God. And I thank you, oh God, that those that are under the sound of my voice, you are increasing their discernment now, God. In the name of Jesus, oh God, you're helping them to guard, God, their heart, that which enters in, that which makes their decision, that which guides their emotion. And you're causing them now to align it with your written word, God, so that they, your word will be in them, so that you can write your word upon their heart and they will be your people and you will be their God as you are my God today, yesterday, and forevermore. And we give you glory. We give you honor because you're a great God and we magnify your holy name. I thank you all so much for participating and being, being here on this evening. I appreciate all of your comments. I will go through them and respond. And again, I will see you on next Monday at 7 p.m. And thank you so, so much for joining me. Everyone have a great evening.